Morning Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald, she's Chantal Rochelle, and you are watching AM to DM. Chantal! Isaac! Hey, buddy! Good morning! Good I'm morning. so happy to be co-hosting with you. I'm so happy oh to be co-hosting with you. And yes. it's Friday. It is Friday. We are here. We made it. We made right it. Here. Congratulations, everyone. All made it. We did it. We did do you it. have any big weekend plans? So I do. I am going to see The Hate You Give for the second time this week. I love that movie. This, wait, the second time? When did you see the first I, so time? I went to a screening on Monday this okay. week, and I was just like, whoa, what, who is cutting these onions? <laughs> and I had to tell you, Russell Hornsby, needs all the awards, I want him to get everything. I want to get a Tony. It wasn't a musical, but I want him to get all the awards. Wow. I want every award sent his way. It's you, so good. You are like starting the campaign for him to get yes, the Oscar yes. right he now. He needs it right now. Now see, I haven't seen the movie okay. yet, but I've read the book, and I cared very deeply about the book. It's an amazing book. It was yes. at the top of the New York Times bestseller list for so long. Mm -hmm. It got all the credit that it deserved. But when you hear books being turned into the movie, sometimes you get a little careful, yeah, right? No. So what? But this this doesn't. I feel like also when Angie Thomas was writing this book, she had a manless work in mind when she was writing it. So the universe made it happen, and Amanda is our star. And so literally, she is the star of this film. She is amazing. I too want her to get the recognition she deserves for this role because she embodies star. It's so good. Wow, I did not know that yeah. fact. That's a dream. Your dreams. Yes. The universe will provide. Yes. That's really awesome. The universe will give it to you. And I am. I'm. I'm seeing like a. Like Jenny Han to All the Boys I Loved Before, mm -hmm. right? That was another one. I love that book so much. Netflix is like, we're making a movie. I get a little nervous. Mm -hmm. And then it just kills. Yes, it did. And you know what those two stories have in common? What's that? POC women made it happen. <laughs> Let's talk about it, y'all. Yes. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, y'all. Yes. Right, well, anywho, election day is less than three weeks away. And a big question on everyone's mind is whether the vote will be safe from hackers. We are going to switch it up this morning and go to D.C. now, where BuzzFeed News cybersecurity correspondent Kevin Collier is sitting down with Jeanette Manfra, a senior official in the Department of Homeland Security responsible for election security. Hi, Kevin. Take it away. Hey, guys. Thanks so much. Jeanette, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, I'll jump right into it. Uh, the midterm election is in a couple weeks. It is. What are the odds that some hacker is going to change someone's vote? Uh, what are the odds? Um, well, I don't like to place odds on anything. I think the way we, we look at risk to election infrastructure is that the actual ability to change a vote is, is actually quite low. And uh, what we uh, are more concerned about and continue to be concerned about is what sort of what we saw in 2016, mm -hmm. that we haven't seen any evidence of this yet, um, but is, you know, sort of a kind of coordinated campaign to undermine confidence in the process itself and uh, and so there's from our perspective kind of two facets of that you have the election infrastructure itself all of the systems that every you know sort of everything that connects uh, to process votes uh, that's more than just the voting machine which aren't connected but uh, the the entire system that are run by state and locals and then you've got the the sort of the ability to influence opinion and others through um, sort of that foreign malign influence through whether that's social media companies or others. Right, right. So th there has not been, you guys have seen no evidence, and you had at this point in 2016. Uh, we had, yes, by this time in 2016, we had started seeing some uh, evidence of targeting of some state infrastructure, yes. So a lot of the, the stuff we learned about what Russia in particular had done in 2016 trickled out for months afterward. Mm-hmm. Is there, have there been changes? Is there reason to think that that would, that's not likely to happen again in 2018? Mm. 
Um, you know, I think, in, and this goes for, frankly, any um, cybersecurity incident where you've got sort of a sophisticated campaign, it takes a while to figure out exactly what's going on. And, and in 2016, a lot of what we were able to uh, eventually start to correlate activity was because you had um, uh, victim uh, actually willing to share information with us right. and uh, and that really gets us to where we are today. We've got many more that are very willing to share information with us. So the more that we have that, mm -hmm. um, if they're seeing targeting, if we're seeing something intelligence community, getting that to the states uh, so that they can um, see what might be happening inside their networks. But it's but it does to set expectations for it does take some time to figure out exactly what's going on. You've got to get the technical analysis. You have to get that sort of intelligence community picture, and you've got to be able to sort of correlate that. So. Um, you know, I think uh, transparency is is always our best friend. Helping the American public um, understand exactly what's what's going on is as soon as we understand it. Working closely with the um, secretaries of state or senior election directors in a state, so that we all have the same facts. Um, if something does happen, so that we can communicate what that might be, or if even there's a perception that something might happen. Um, and I think that means working with media as well, so that so that everybody is is actually um, operating off of the, the facts as we know it. Um, that's, a, that's all we can promise. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so President Trump has said that uh, China is conducting an, uh, you know, a, a campaign to interfere in, in 2018. How does that square with um, there have not been, you know, there's not been a, a real effort campaign that, that you've seen? So I think um, you know Russia and China very different calculus in um, how they do things or what what decisions that they make. Um, they both have had long term interest in um, you know influencing our country in for for different reasons, different purposes. Um, it's uh, you know I think the uh, Secretary Nielsen talked about this as, as well, sort of the influencing of um, whether that's through kind of what I would call traditional um, kind of intelligence means, uh, trying to understand parts of our system, try to influence and sway people's opinion towards something that's more friendly for that country. I mean, that is definitely something that both countries engage in. They've been engaging in it for years. This is not new. Um, they do have new platforms to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, specifically, I don't see a targeted kind of from either country uh, from what we saw in 2016 right now. Now we're still a couple of weeks away from the midterms, so we always need to be vigilant. And um, as we like to say, you know, I don't, I don't need a specific uh, piece of intelligence to tell me that I need to harden my systems and I need to be prepared. I understand our adversaries well enough that whether it's election systems or the electric grid, they're they're seeking ways to be able to um, position themselves, and uh, so we need to always be alert to that. What's the single biggest realistic thing that could happen on election day, and how would you you know kind of preemptively caution people? Don't panic. This is what the single biggest thing. Um, you know, I think one of the things that concerns me the most, to, to even go back to your first question, is I really don't concern myself much about the actual tampering of a vote count itself. 
it would be the perception whether somebody started to claim that they had just whether you know maybe they just get on Twitter and they start claiming that they've done something. Um, maybe they um, find some ways to um, you know compromise unofficial election night reporting. So so different ways where you're not actually manipulating the vote count itself, but you're creating some uncertainty in the American public's minds that something's happened. So you're more concerned about information operations. I, I really I really am. And I, I mean those are those are um, not as hard to pull off. Um, they've demonstrated some capability to do that, the Russians have. Um, again, we don't see any sort of planning for that, mm -hmm. um, but, but that's sort of my biggest concern is that something along those lines hap happens, and it's, and it's hard to counter a perception. Right. If you know you're you're trying to prove a negative, you're you're saying, look, nothing's happened. We have no evidence. It's it's nothing. That right. something has happened. So we're trying to be very ready for those types of scenarios. Yeah. So and you know, sorry, this is a little tough one, but you know the other ones weren't. <laughs> <laughs> um, actual elections are you know tend to be administered by by the individual counties and local precincts. A lot of local counties, or a lot of counties, have have aligned with you guys, do information sharing programs with you guys, but a lot don't. Mm. Uh, you know, if, if there's some county clerk out there who hasn't uh, hasn't signed up to, to work with you guys, um, what I don't know. How concerned are you that they are a ripe target? Um, so, well, so there's a couple of things. First. Um, we have over 1,100 jurisdictions now that are partnering under the Election Infrastructure Information Sharing Analysis Center, or what we refer to as ISACs. Um, and um, there's a lot of capability there. We've got, um, you know, on every, and not just for the midterms, on every significant election, on primaries, special elections, um, we can stand up a virtual room where uh, people are collaborating, sharing um, information real time about what might be happening. Um, um, so, so we've got a lot more than I think people realize actually participating. Um, and those that aren't, just because they're not participating doesn't mean that they don't have good mm -hmm. capabilities. All 50 states are participating in some way at the, at the state level with us mm -hmm. as, as in addition. Um, if we ever had intelligence that um, a, an organization was being targeted in some way, um, regardless of whether they have a relationship with us, we're going to get to that um, jurisdiction immediately um, and, and tell them, we don't know, we don't have perfect information, but here's what we think is happening again, regardless of whether they're working with us. Yeah. So, um, and then, if, so, I mean, any time now, um, any county, uh, you've got a county clerk's uh, office that um, has a ransomware issue or a variety of things, is, you know, it's got nothing necessarily to do with elections, they're calling us. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the, the word is definitely out, and we're, we have uh, more visibility than we've ever had in this space. Uh, last one. There is unanimous consensus or near unanimous consensus among election security experts that a paper trail is necessary mm -hmm. for a, a really trustworthy vote. And there is a movement in this country to get every state there. Mm -hmm. There's not been a lot of action in Congress with it, and there are still five states that do not offer that in anywhere in the entire state. What do you say to people in, say, Georgia, um, who know that there's not a, there's not a real audit you can you can do to make sure their vote counts. 
Um, so I know each of those states are working very hard through the processes that they've got to work through to address that. Sometimes there's resource issues uh, and, and sometimes it's just a timeliness issue around mm -hmm. procuring these things. Um, and, and they are looking at other ways to um, ensure that there's, there's other ways to um, potentially address that. Um, you know, I think we've been very clear. Um, the secretary's talked about this. The president has talked about this. You know, the need for auditability is is critical, and um, and and those those states are working hard. There, what we are thinking about is are, how are other indicators that are available to us to identify whether something did in fact go on. Our election process is actually very transparent. You have observers that has nothing to do with cybersecurity for years. It's just a very transparent process. You've got um, you know, observers from different parties that see the vote count sort of through every single pro uh, part of the process. You have um, other countries that, that come and observe as well. So um, there's, there's a lot of mechanisms in place where I, I feel confident that we'd be able to identify that there's something we should be concerned about in addition to all of the different tools that have been built. Um, so, you know, for, for voters in, in those states, know that your officials are working hard to address this and we're working on other ways and, and we are specifically working with those, those states as well. Uh, Jeanette, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me on Cyber Awareness Month. And oh, yeah. For all of our readers out there, please, or viewers out there, please take a moment and update all of your security protocols, your passwords, two-factor authentication. Most of your email providers provide that. So thank you for having me. Good advice. Thanks. Back to you guys. Much. I'm like over here. I'm like I'm gonna That's update it. my passwords right everything. now. Four-step blood sample. I'm doing everything. Like <laughs> you got like updated. everything. That's uh, it. I really like that moment where Kevin was like, "Now here comes a hard one." Yeah. And she was like, like, "Oh, the others weren't." Yes. Oh, yes, Jeanette. That's right. You don't get to just come on yes. and get easy questions. But that was. Stuff. I feel a little more reassured. Yeah, I, I do too. Lie. And I'm also going to do like more security for my own self. So yeah, really good conversation there. Absolutely. Now for slightly less serious voting story. On Monday, some dude named Tim tweeted, wow, I can't believe this is why Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson split up. Whew, that tweet now has over 45,000 retweets and <laughs> had nothing to do with Ariana and Pete. The link actually went to vote.org. And now obviously you no doubt knew that as a lot of folks have copied Tim's format this week as folks are wont to do on Twitter. But yesterday, the meme, went like too far, it seems, when Elle magazine tweeted, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are splitting up. Ooh, and yeah. people, me, were fed up. <laughs> Parker Malloy, you tweeted, can people please stop doing that thing where they post a salacious headline that links to a voter registration page? Like, this is really not cool. It's just spreading misinformation. And Roxanne Gay responded directly to Elle's tweet with this is a trash nonsense. Who do you think you are reaching with this? Guess what? One can be civic-minded and interested in celebrity gossip. Do better. Okay, so you, you, you feel Roxanne on that. Listen, Roxanne, I feel you. Synergy right here. I mean, I got God. I got uh. God, Isaac. When I saw the headline, <laughs> it said Kanye West and Kim Kardashian are splitting up. I was like, that's kind of suspicious copy. Also, I would be dramatic with it. I'd be like, Kanye and Kim, no more. Dramatic, like, thumbnail with, like, that split screen I'm talking about. I would be super dramatic with it. So I was like, let me You're check like, first this things out. first, yeah, I'd, I'd know, write a better I'd, head. Yes, I would, <laughs> be, I would be direct, and I'd have it be like, oh, man, what's going on? And so when I clicked it, I was like, really? Like, seriously? 
Like, and I you was, were over it. I was over it. I was duped. But I do think I would prefer it be voting than some random product selling or something that made no sense. So I, I do appreciate that it was for a good cause. That's, that's a really good point. Let me ask you this. Um, do you think part of it, because this for, one, was that the first time you got got this week? You know, I, I, how much time do you have? Um, no, I think that was the first that was, time of it. Because here's the thing. I think I clicked on the Pete Davidson one. Yeah. I think I, I, I clicked on the original one. Um, but for me, it was a little bit, I feel, why Elle magazine got dragged, whereas Tim got like 42,000 retweets, oh. is because people are kind of excited about the idea mm -hmm. that Kim and Kanye were breaking up, yeah. and then were so disappointed when they clicked the yeah, link. Yeah, I think that has to do with it. <laughs> if it had to do with like, you know, what was the story with the, uh, uh, Sesame Street? If it was like Bert and Ernie tell their true story, I'd be like, oh, okay. But Kim and Kanye, that's the topic of conversation. You <laughs> know. It's like, yeah, and, and there is something to be said for fake news. Here's the thing, I personally, I'm kind of like, look, I appreciate a good troll. Yeah. It's a good troll for a good reason, right? Voter registration. Uh, Remy Smith, one of our reporters, actually went out and talked to Tim, the guy that did the original tweet, and he had a really good point, too. He was saying why he feels like he got so much love, but Elle got dragged so hard. It's because he's just a person, yeah. and Elle magazine is an institution, it's a brand, and they shouldn't be spreading fake news. It's like, you know, normal folks can get away with this troll, but like a magazine exactly. absolutely it, shouldn't. Held to different standards. I should also say that Remy spoke to a lot of young people mm -hmm. who say that it actually worked. Oh, wow. Okay, we don't have overall numbers, how many people, but a lot of people were tweeting out, and she spoke with them, that like, they registered to vote after they got got. Okay. So we're gonna tweet out Remy's story, you can read it right now, but we do want to hear from you. What do you think about this voter registration tactic? Or even better, did you click on a fake celeb news link? Did you get got? If you did click, would you register? Let us know using the hashtag AM to Kim and Kanye aren't breaking up. Man, Yet. they're not, oh goodness, Yet. I was so ready. I was like, what? I, I really Tell think me. that's why people yeah, got mad. Really. If it had been I, something else. It really else. was that, it really was that. <laughs> <sighs> All right, y'all, we've got a great show for you, including interviews with Alfonso Ribeiro and J.D. Pardo. But up next, it's Fire Tweets. It's Fire Tweets, baby. Yeah. It's gonna be good. All right, welcome back. We got a tweet here from Princess Slaya. I feel you, girl. Honestly, the assumption that people who read those headlines don't want to vote or aren't registered to vote, annoyed. And I didn't like the original one either. Which, yeah, people don't like to be spoken down yeah, to. Yeah, I don't like That's, to be fooled. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Like, and to be treated like, hey, just because you care about this, you don't care about exactly, real topics. Yeah. All right, I feel that. Well, let's get into some very serious Ooh, yes. fire tweets. Time. Your BFF Alex, you tweeted, me, destroy spider web. Spider, wow. Me, puts up fake spider web. Spider, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give it that lot, Wow. wow. <laughs> I, I just love have, it. Shout it's out okay. to the yeah. Oh, I love it. It's like if we, let, let my real spider yeah, webs be up here if you want to have a creepy free. thing. Exactly, <laughs> love it. All right, next up. Phoenix, you tweeted, I don't buy clothes anymore. Only spending money on things that's going to take me, make me more money. Like this lottery ticket and hot Cheetos. <laughs> First of all, RIP to your stomach, because... Yikes. How do you make money with hot Cheetos? Oh, and, and, and why? But let me talk about the lottery for a second, because it is a big deal a right billion, now. A billion, almost? Like 900 you, million? Yeah, yeah, Are you playing? I am, I am. But I don't do that pool, poll, what do you do with the coworkers? No, because if you can <laughs> that change, it's all coming up to me, okay? I don't want to split it with any of you. But it ups the odds. No, I'm going to give it to my mom and God, and then the rest of me, okay? <laughs> yes, that's it. Give it to the church, give it to my mother, and then the rest is going to my bank account. Okay? I will put that no. on a t-shirt. I'm going to give yeah. it to God, my mom, and nobody okay? else. Okay, we're not splitting with like 50 people in the office. No, not <laughs> happening. Right. 
Ginger Hazing, you tweeted, I love Little Drummer Boy because I love the mental image of this rando kid going ape shit on his drum in front of this fucking newborn baby. Yes! Pa-rumba pump pump, oh, motherfucker. Yes, and that's so crazy. I'm sorry. And you talked, you mentioned this earlier. Pa-rumba pump pump. Like, what were you in the booth just like lost your lyrics? Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I really like. I'm drum. sorry, but I, I'm just like, wow. This song could be ten hours long, and they would still be saying pa-rumba pump pump. I'm gonna say this: that I know it's October, and we're talking about a Christmas tweet. But find your joy where you can. Find it. Is hey, because you gotta find it somewhere. I'm with you with that. Yeah, that's right. All right, you ready for tweet of the day? Let's do it. Let's do it. Tweet of the day comes from Allie. How did Chucky manage to murder so many people? Just pick him up and yeet him in the bin. He's a doll. Listen, yeet talk about the yeet. Now, yeet I, learned, Chucky. I learned because of this tweet. Let's get back into Halloween stuff. Let's talk about it. You love Chucky. Listen, Chucky is my dude. Like, first of all, there's seven Chucky in the installments. People don't know that. There's seven there's Chucky seven. movies? There's seven, so follow me. We got Child's Play 1, 2, and 3, okay. Ride of Chucky, uh -huh. Seed of Chucky, uh -huh. Curse of Chucky, uh -huh. Cult of Chucky. Did you say Sea of Chucky? Seed. Seed. S-E-E-D. That's a little Listen, what What's I, your favorite Chucky? So, I have to say, it's a tie between Seed of Chucky and Child's Play 2, because of the range. First of all, Chucky is following Andy for like almost 30. Chucky turns 30 this year. He's following the same character for a 30 year time span. I'm just like, give it a break. Andy is, <laughs> Andy's over it, Chucky. Why doesn't Andy just, like, as the tweet Andy says, is going to be 100 years old and Chucky's going to be like, give me your body. <laughs> like, Andy's, no. Get a new body. I want you to dress as Chucky for Halloween. Listen, Listen up next, that is enough, Chucky. We're going live from the district with DC Bureau Chief Kate Nocera. We'll ask her what she thinks of we'll Chucky. See. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Welcome back. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News DC Bureau Chief Kate Nocera. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing good. You doing good? good? Yeah. Yeah, it's Friday. I got cold medicine. I got my cold medicine on. That, ready? That's good. I want to weekend. This week, did you get got by any of those voter registration fake celeb news links? Um, I certainly clicked on it. Then I rolled my eyes. Then I remembered I was registered to vote. So we're good. <laughs> You're good, Kate. All right. Here's a tweet from ABC News. President Trump says it certainly looks as though journalist Jamal Khashoggi is dead. Adding consequences will have to be very severe. It's bad. Bad stuff, he says. Now, Kate, now seeming to acknowledge that Khashoggi is dead, has Trump changed his position on Saudi involvement? It's certainly shifting slightly, it seems. I think that uh, the administration uh, was taken aback by how big the story became. I mean, it's become a total international flashpoint, and uh, they certainly seem like they would rather move on than deal with it. I mean, this is a significant Middle East ally. Jared Kushner has close ties with the crown prince, and, uh, and the evidence is becoming sort of irrefutable. And I think that uh, Trump at least has to appear that he is, he is taking it seriously. As far as severe consequences, what those would actually be, who knows? Who knows? And again, he's being much more serious than he was taking it earlier in the week. Uh, you, you mentioned evidence, though. Let's talk about this tape. People are talking about whether Pompe Pompeo has heard it, has he not heard it. What's going on there? 
Yeah, so the Secretary of State is denying that he has seen a, a transcript of the tapes that Turkish officials say they have of uh, the, the, you know, the, the audio of the, of the actual murder, and they have all the details and exactly what happened. ABC News reported that Pompeo had, in fact, either listened to the tape or seen the transcripts. That is something he is totally denying. Well, you know, if he had seen them, it puts them in a position of really having to forcefully say, you know, we, we, we've seen the evidence and can acknowledge it. They want to give space to the Saudi officials to finish their quote unquote investigation into what happened. And that's kind of what's going on right now. And I think what we're seeing in terms of the denials, whether Pompeo has seen or heard this tape. Wow. Well, so with the back and forth of, of if Pompeo heard it, if he didn't hear the tape, what would severe consequences from the White House look like? That's a really good question, and I think something that everything everyone is is looking uh, to find out because we don't know, right? We don't know what a severe consequence to to a strong Middle East ally would actually be in practicality. I know, you, you know, the the Trump administration doesn't want to. Uh, ruin this alliance, and 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 Saudi Arabia uh, also has this very powerful ally in the United States, and so what those consequences would be is something everyone is 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 looking to. Right, right now it's just a word. Uh, I did want to ask Mnuchin withdrew. From no one knows exactly. He withdrew from this investor uh, conference in Saudi Arabia. Is there anything to read into that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he sort of had to. Everyone else was was dropping out. It, it would have looked really bad if the United States had sent the top Treasury official to Saudi Arabia. I think it also gave a signal to other business investors in the U.S. who were still participating in the conference that uh, maybe it was time to finally drop out. Drop out. I know that. Uh, Fox Business did drop out after Mnuchin said he was also uh, not going to participate in this conference. All of a sudden, not looking like such a good idea. Well, here's a tweet from Ben Tribbett. This is a real radio ad currently running in Arkansas in support of Republican Congressman French Hill on radio stations targeted to the African-American community. I don't even have words to describe it. Uh, let's take a listen. What do you think about what's happening in Washington? Congressman French Hill and the Republicans know that it's dangerous to change the presumption of innocence to a presumption of guilt, especially for black men. If the Democrats can do that to a white justice of the Supreme Court with no evidence, no corroboration, and all of her witnesses, including her best friend, say it didn't happen, what will happen to our husbands, our fathers, or our sons when a white girl lies on them? Girl, white Democrats will be lynching black folk again. Honey, I've always told my son, don't be messing around with that. If you get caught, she will cry rape. I'm voting to keep Congressman French Hill and the Republicans because we have to protect our men and boys. We can't afford to let white Democrats take us back to bad old days of race verdicts, life sentences, and lynchings when a white girl screams rape. Paid for by Black Americans for the President's Agenda. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Ooh, fix it, Jesus. And here is a response from our representative, yeah. French Hill. Some may have heard an appalling ad on the radio. I condemn this outrageous ad in the strongest terms. I do not support that message, and there is no place in Arkansas for this nonsense. Kate, who exactly made this ad? 
Yeah, so a conservative black activist named Vernon Robinson uh, made the ad for his PAC, which is the Black Americans for the President's Agenda, uh, made the ad, has no apologies for the ad, will continue running the ad in Arkansas, and I believe he's also running it uh, in Missouri currently uh, against Claire McCaskill, who's, who's running for Senate there. Um, the, the, the complicated thing about all of this is that these third-party PACs can run really whatever ads they want. There's no coordination between the candidate and the PACs, which is supposed to you know, protect the candidate, and conceivably they want third-party money coming in to support them, but the problem with it is that you have no control over it, right? So then you get uh, ads like this one, which is, it was, you know, frankly pretty racist. Racist and wild. So I wanted to ask, does Robinson have a history of making inflammatory ads like this? Oh, he sure does. Um, I can't <laughs> give you exact examples, but but uh, he, yeah. I mean, this is this is kind of uh, something he he is known for. He uh, ran for Congress in North Carolina and put up um, some inflammatory ads, you might say. Um, he, this is something that he does and he feels, you know, he feels that it is fair game. Uh, it's fair game to attack the Democrats on these grounds and, uh, is going to keep doing it, keep running it. I think it's, uh, this is also, I mean, there is precedent for, for ads like this one. There was an ad running in, um, Georgia's sixth congressional district when it was John Ossoff running against Karen Handel there. And, uh, they took... Uh, they took the audio from President Obama's audio book of Dreams of My Father, uh, talking about you know how how black people you know Democrats had basically abandoned uh, black Americans and took it wildly out of context and put it uh, in an ad attacking Ossoff. So this is not this is not like a new thing that is happening, but uh, it's certainly. Shocking every time it does happen. Yeah, it doesn't make it any less shocking. And I do. I remember when that happened. Well, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News. Black people are dramatically underrepresented in the key house races this year. A new analysis by BuzzFeed News has found. So, Kate, what does this underrepresentation look like in this year's midterms? Yeah, I mean, this is the key swing districts in Michigan, in upstate New York, in Kansas, in Kentucky. These are very white districts. So these are the districts that are going to, you know, very decide control of the House, whether Democrats or, Repub or if Republicans keep the House or Democrats take the House. And they are uh, very white. Uh, some of it has to do with uh, gerrymandering uh, and that the, the districts are shaped in such a way that uh, while African Americans represent a, a much larger portion of the uh, voting age population nationally in these districts, it, it is a much smaller percentage. Um, and not everyone who is voting age, as we know, goes out and votes on election day. Um, also black Americans tend to vote Democrat, so it is sort of a, it, it is a number that is important to look at when we're thinking about. Uh, you know, what control of Congress is actually going to, to end up being. Wow, so with all these numbers... So you should click on that L link and register to vote. Yes, click on it, <laughs> for sure. So with all these numbers and things going on, is this represented more so in the districts and states more than among other places? Yeah, I mean, it is, it is in, 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 so like, 
New York City, you're going to have a higher number of uh, registered black voters than you would in a place in like New York's 22nd district, which is more upstate uh, Utica area. Um, that is, those are those are whiter places. So obviously more, and but those are the swing districts. Those are the districts that Democrats really, really need to win in order to take control of the House. We'll definitely be staying tuned on this. Thank you, Kate. We'll be sure to click on the link. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right, y'all. Up next, Hay sits down with Alfonso Ribeiro. Stay tuned. You ready? Oh! I'm Hayes Brown, and this is The Sit Down. I'm here with actor and comedian Alfonso Ribeiro, host of America's Funniest Home Videos on ABC. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, so let's start <laughs> off with America's Funniest Home Videos. Yes. It just kicked off its 29th season, which That's is crazy. insane. Yes. Almost as old as I am. <laughs> Are you surprised that Americans haven't run out of funny yet? Um, no, it's, it's weird because I feel like it's actually growing, mm -hmm. right? The Back in the day when Bob Saget did it, like people had to actually send in VCR tapes. Right. Right. And so the quality of it was low, and, 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 and you, you know, there were only so many tapes people were going to actually send right. in. Now, because everybody is literally attached to their phones mm -hmm. um, with their cameras and video cameras on their phone, we're getting more uh, videos than they've ever gotten. All right. So to me, it almost feels like there's more, we have a bigger pot to pick from. Mm -hmm. So the f videos are funnier. Okay. Um, there's more of them. And, you know, I was actually saying this this morning in a different interview, but we have the AFV app. Oh. Where, oh. you know, you can actually send in your videos mm -hmm. from your phone directly to AFV. Oh, okay. So now it's like you don't have to email it. It's just, it's just like right in. I mean, there, it's, it goes right to, to the producers. And so I feel like, you know, the show has an upturn just mm -hmm. simply because we have more stuff. And... I think more the the more society gets into this, you know, us and them, and you need a break from it all. And right. Sunday night is that break okay. from all the crazy that's going on in the world, where you know you can sit with your family and just laugh. So when they send in these videos, are you like reviewing? It's uh, when do you, like when do you get to see the video? Yeah, I don't get involved until they've already been decided. Oh, okay. Right. So, so they're not just blowing up your phone. Right. Yeah. No. 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 I was like, I was like, let the pros do what the pros do. Y'all. <laughs> Y'all do this. I don't. I don't want to be involved. In all the videos. Mm -hmm. Plus, that would mean that every person I pass in life would also be like, "Dude, will you take my video?" And no, 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 no. I don't do that. I don't. Hear that, America? Do I don't not do that. You don't need to. You don't need videos. to come to me to get the videos. We're good. Um, but uh, I'll get them when they send me the videos mm -hmm. uh, to get prepared for my voiceover lines. Right, right. For so the jokes that are over the video. So I'll I'll typically sit maybe a day or two before I go in and do it. My kids will typically come sit on my lap, and I'll go over the words and watch the video for the first time so I know what the videos are and um, I won't actually watch all the videos mm. I'll only do the ones that I'm doing voiceover to right. because when we actually tape the show I want to be surprised. on set yeah. and laugh and enjoy mm -hmm. and so uh, I will I will absolutely make sure that uh, that I don't watch them all do you ever feel guilty about laughing at the ones where people get hurt because that is a good chunk absolutely of the not <laughs> <laughs> just I no love, no regrets. None, none. I love when the people we call it epic fails. Right on the show, we don't say where people get hurt. But personally, 
People do get hurt, right. but uh, it's the epic fails, and those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. So I never feel bad about that. Because, and, I, and, and the reason why I always say that is because they sent us the video. True, true. So they're wanting us to laugh at them. All right, makes that's, sense. That's the right? bit. Right. right. Okay, I mean, so, <laughs> but you hosted Will Smith's epic bungee jump yes. out of a helicopter for his 50th birthday on his YouTube channel. Yeah. We all remember the Fresh Prince episode where Hiller's fiance, Trevor, went bungee jumping <laughs> yes. and died. Were you yes. nervous for Will? Uh, I was nervous for Will. I just wasn't, I, I felt really comfortable that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, the on the show, it's a, it was an idea. In, uh, in, in real life, the mm-hmm. stunt team uh, was uh, the best in the world. I would imagine. So uh, I felt very comfortable with, with the fact that that wasn't going to happen, mm-hmm. but there was some real fear mm-hmm. and some real Real danger that still existed. Right. Um, you know, you can plan for everything, and still, and still, things can go wrong. Right. Um, the first area where things could have gone wrong was sometimes our bodies actually won't let us oh, do, the do things. Jump. Yeah. Right. And the and so because I was hosting the event, I had to talk to all the stunt crew and talk to them and figure out like where the real danger is and what could go wrong, so that I could talk about it um, during the broadcast. And the first thing they said was sometimes people, when they go to let go, they don't let go. Oof. Even though they're planning it and they push back, their hand won't let them just because, you know, your, your subconscious goes, no, I'm not, we're not doing this. <laughs> um, and that was really dangerous because they let the bungee cord go. Mm. And so he's going anyway. No matter what. Right? So once that cord gets dropped, he's going. But the difference is, is does he go cleanly or does he get pulled out of the, the, yeah. the helicopter? And then the landing was also very dangerous because you obviously you have a helicopter and a bungee cord and any movement of the helicopter created right. the opposite movement with Will at the bottom of the bungee. And so, you know, you're also over the Grand Canyon where there are wind gusts that come up. If it moves the helicopter up 10 feet, Will's gonna do this and then he's gonna go shot straight up into the air. So there was some real danger, but the crew did an amazing job and it was, I, I was very happy for Will. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that, you know, he wanted to challenge this and he did it for a great cause. Uh, Education Cannot Wait was the charity that received, um, you know, a lot of money for, right. for doing this. And, and so, uh, all in all, a great time, but scary when your boy decides that's what he wants to do. So back in 2013, you skydived out of a helicopter. I did. Which stunt was more epic, do you think, yours or the bungee jump? Well, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with, with his, because oh. mine was forced. <laughs> <laughs> My, I did, Against uh, your will. Yeah, I didn't really want to do it, whereas he decided to do it. And, uh, you know, skydiving when you've got tandem and you've got, you know, several shoots that can come out right. uh, is less dangerous. Uh, yeah, that was for a show I did for the UK oh, okay. um, called I'm a Celebrity, I'm a celebrity get, get Me, me out, out of Here. here. Um, biggest mistake I've ever made in my career. Um, you know, like not, not, not cool, not yeah. cool. Wasn't, um, not built for the reality TV life. I'll say this, they didn't explain it to me the way that it was. Noted. So I had a very different perception of what the show was before doing it until yeah. I got into that jungle. And yeah, yeah, just go look at, look at it online. You'll see, uh, you'll see fun. just how wrong that was. <laughs> okay, so for the most part, the cast of The Fresh Prince, been, you guys have been chill, relatively yes. drama free, but let's settle this once and for all. 
Who was your favorite, Ann Viv? Well, I'm going to settle this once and for all by not settling it. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> we won't tell anyone. We will tell no one. Listen, I am, not, I am not starting any more <laughs> smack. Uh, I'm just going to let it go. Let it go. You're disappointing me here. I'm, 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 I have to disappoint today. You know, look, Which figure are you more in touch the, with then? Who do you the, talk to more? At the end of the day, um, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, it's 2018. Yes, it 2019. Is. The show ended, you know, 20 years ago plus. And, um, you know, I feel, I just feel like we all have to just get past it. And, okay. and some people still hold on to a lot of the anger in it. And, and, it, and we shouldn't. We, should, we, we, need to, we need to find our happiness and our happy places and let everybody have that happiness um, to live their lives in, in the best possible way. And so, yeah. Fair. I'm going to handle it like that. Ah, classy. <laughs> Do you guys still get together, the Fresh Prince cast? Do you hang out? Every once in a while. Well, you know, I, 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 it's very funny because every time we do get together, they call it a reunion. And I'm always like, um... Is it a reunion every time you see your friends? <laughs> like, I don't think it's a reunion. It's I mean, like you're just kind of hanging out with your friends. So, uh, you know, the, my, my sisters on the show, Tatiana and, and, and Karen, are dear friends, and we see each other often, and I obviously I see Will every once in a while. Um, you know, I don't get a chance to see everybody, but, you know, you know we still miss uh, James Avery uh, in his passing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's listen, these, this is family, yeah. and uh, just like any any family, you know, you you got the you've got people who don't always get along, but but everybody's still family. Fair. So you're aside from your acting, you're known for your sweet dance moves. <laughs> you won Dancing with the Stars. You're known for the Carlton. You started off on Broadway and the right, Tap right, Dance right. Kid. People are still doing the Carlton dance. Wow. Of the dances that the kids are doing today, you know, you got your shoot dance, you got your flossing. Right. Which is your favorite? Um, of the dance, you know, I just did that uh, in my feelings, uh, yeah. you know, video. Uh, I did one which I thought was fun, which I thought was fun because it's not a specific dance. It's kind of like your take on it. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, a lot of the kids love the floss dance, which is very interesting because, like, to me, because my brain works this way, I, I always want to tell people why they have problems doing the floss. Tell me what's wrong with my floss well, right now. Well, the problem please. for most people with the floss is that they don't understand that it's a waltz. Okay, so that right, like every dance we do is a four-step dance. Right. The floss is a three-step dance, which is a waltz. Okay. Because it's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. So people get confused because they're trying to add the four. You have just blown my mind. So it's a waltz, right? Like yeah. the floss is a waltz. Okay. In its in its origin, obviously the waltz being that it's a one two three right. count right. dance. And so I had a buddy of mine who uh, works for Will, who do you, you know did Do you want to demonstrate some, really quick? No, I, I did it. I did it. It was like one two three, one two three, one two three, one two three. Okay. Right. Okay. So that's the that's the the dance of it. And I was trying to explain it to him, and he did a whoo, gone. But yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Alfonso. <laughs> I'm more educated. You know, one, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> America's Funniest Home Videos is on every Sunday on ABC. Yes. Stay tuned for more AM to DM. <laughs>
Zaid, this is not driving Miss Ferocity. AM to NOLA, brought to you by Wendy's for Performing. Isaac, our mission, should we choose to accept it? And we do. Banking the most of our time here in New Orleans. I always feel honored to get to come back. I don't feel like New Orleans is a city you should take for granted. Now, how do you make the most of a city like New Orleans mm. that is the most? How do you make the most how of the most? <laughs> for me, making the most of New Orleans is definitely going to be about exploration. We are going to take risks. Mm -hmm. We are going to be curious mm -hmm. and really try to have a relationship in this trip with New Orleans that we haven't had before. All right, children, we told you we were going to explore New Orleans. First of all, this is John Stanton. John is a national reporter for BuzzFeed News. He's actually based here in New Orleans. So, where are we? It's Music Black Village, it's a, sort of an experimental space. These houses all make sound. So they're like big instruments. Big instruments, exactly. I'm Taylor Shepard. I'm a technical director of New Orleans Airlift and one of the founders of Music Box Village. So when did you guys build this place? Well, we started in 2010. It was kind of made out of an old house that we had that we reassembled into these little smaller houses. Do you have a favorite house? There's one that has like the wall of petals. I'm really into that one. Go ahead and say something. You're nasty. <laughs> I love this so much! You're nasty. Beyonce the president. You're nasty. You're nasty. Beyonce the president. You're nasty. One of the things about New Orleans for me, it's known for music, but it's also a very spiritual town. Certainly Catholicism, voodoo. We're actually not too far from a voodoo spiritual temple run by Priestess Miriam. So when you say this is a voodoo temple, what does that mean? People need to have something to evaluate their wellness. You're standing in the shop, everything has an economical value. I've got my cherry juice stick. I've never had one before. It's always the first time. People want prosperity. Herbs, oils, and spices. So you want to spice up people's life. <laughs> <laughs> Love powder. Mm. You can put it on your bed. Oh, this is so beautiful. What is this room? Well, just pretend you're walking into the monastery of Buddhist monks or whoever. I was ordained in the spiritual church in Chicago. Everybody's focused about New Orleans and the voodoo, but the black people were very instrumental in putting a spiritual practice beyond the physical churches, from the South to Detroit, all the way into New York. And so that's a whole period in America where all of these eclectic thoughts about spirituality were shared out through the early 20s, etc. Chain nine no of the way. Road. That's true. We are making our way to Baton Rouge. We're gonna go tailgating, check out a football game. I'm gonna stay awake. I'm gonna listen to some music. Little chair dancing. That. That's something we'll we've that. gotten good at. Chair on the road. dancing. Baton Rouge is hot. This is so hot. Day 24. <laughs> Still walking in this heat. No, this tree is covered with fire ants. I am building a hut. And I will live right here. This is rough. Whew. 
Wow, that was, it's water, you want some? Oh, it's good. Hey. It's football, baby. You are such a drama queen. Feels good. My name is Zach Rao. I'm originally from Gretna, Louisiana. My undergrad in 2012, and then I got my master's in 2014, and I've been in Baton Rouge ever since I moved in 2008. Okay, so where are we? Who are these folks? <laughs> Various friends and family of the tailgate. It's kind of something that started 10 years ago, and it's really just expanded since then. I generally cook about 50 to 60 pounds of pulled pork a week. Depending on who we're playing, like if we're playing Florida, you'll see roasted gator. If we're playing Arkansas, you'll see roasted pig. Shady food items. Yes. <laughs> Since 2008, I've, I haven't missed a home game. 10 years? Yes. Wait a minute. There you go, our big tradition is night games. Because it was so unbearably hot way back in the day, I believe it was 1935, we had our first night game. People would just come and they would just sit and that gave birth to all day tailgating. It's become this sort of phenomenon where the tailgate to some people is more important than the game. Well, all right. That was delightful. That was really fun. Zach spoke about college football in such an eloquent way. I was like, oh, I could see why you would want to do this. That was great. I feel like New Orleans, in general, we explored. And I think we benefited from everything we learned. I'm so proud that I get to say this in the right context. Mm. Well, Louisiana, we'll see you hoes later. Welcome back. I'm sitting down with J.D. Pardo, Emmy-nominated actor and star of drama Mayans MC. J.D., thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I have to congratulate you. Mayans has been huge so far. I just went to a gathering of family and everyone was talking about Mayans. What's it been like for you to have such a great response? Oh, it's great. It's, um, it, you know, it's, it, we were just talking about this. You, you never know how it's going to go, right? So it's, it's, uh, I'm surprised by it, but yet I'm not. I'm just, I'm loving it. I'm just going with the ride. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it has to be so exciting. And obviously, Minds is in the same universe as Sons of Anarchy, which was such a huge show with such a huge fan base. So how do you balance, you know, having your own fans in your own universe, but also, you know, bringing on the most beloved franchise? Well, I think it's that. It's that you have to, right from the beginning, we were just, we knew that we were here because of Sons of Anarchy. So we have to respect those actors. We have to respect that fan base. We have to understand that this isn't like, it's almost, it's, we have to become our own show, but it's just not about just us. You know, we have to continue to entertain the fans. Um, there's gonna be a lot of comparisons, but if we just go in and do the work and just do it 100%, like our goal was to always take it to the next level in honor of you know, Sons of Anarchy. What is some of the feedback you've been getting from Sons of Anarchy fans on the new show? Do they come up to you and talk about it? Or do you find that you mostly get people who didn't watch Sons? Well, uh, it, interestingly, we I get a lot of people saying like, ah, I didn't know if I was gonna like it, I was skeptical, or I wanted to hate your show, but uh, but I'm so into it. I'm just, I'm, I'm loving it, and, and you know, I'm captivated by the storyline, so I, th I think um, that's been the majority of it. And, that's, and that must be so encouraging to hear, too, because it's so, you know, you have this, I don't want to say a burden, but, like, you want to make the fans happy, right? Absolutely. So in Mayans, and you were previously on East Los High, you work with a predominantly Latino cast. What is it like being able to show the diversity in cast to Hollywood in your shows? You know, it's funny. This is actually the first time that I've really, I, I, that I've, I've, I've had to think about that, you know? Um, if I want to be honest about it, because I've always just approached it as, as I'm an actor, 
Um, I've been doing this for a while now, and, and I've always just wanted to tell great stories, and I, I find myself in these roles, and then now it's like, you know, it, it is a big thing. It's like the, the project meeting the time that we're in today, it just, there's a lot of responsibility that surrounds it. And so for me, I just, it just makes me more aware of, of the responsibility that I have. Um, I, I can't just, um, I'm not just an actor, you know, I'm also representing um, a community and I'm representing um, other Latinos that, that would love to be in the same position that I'm in or would like to be noticed for their work. So I think the best thing that I can do is just um, continue to do good work and, and hopefully inspire others and, and um, uh, talk about it, communicate about what I went through, how I got here so that others can, can direct themselves in the same way, I guess. Yeah, for sure. What do you think shows like Mayans who are, that are so successful show Hollywood about Latino representation? I think what you can get with Mayans is that we're, um, you know, we're breaking stereotypes, I feel like, because in this business, the Latino community, they, they are underrepresented, right? And then it, it all becomes about how uh, they're all Mexican, or if you're brown, you're Mexican, or you know, it's just like there, there really isn't any variety. It's just like you're brown, you're brown. That's it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, what you get to see with our cast specifically is that you have different kinds of Latinos. You know, you have um, we have Puerto Ricans, half Puerto Ricans, half Black. We have half uh, I'm half Argentine and half El Salvadorian. We have you know uh, Chicano actors. We have Mexican actors. So and we all speak differently. We all have different cultures. We all um, relate to things differently, see things differently. So I think that's what's kind of we get to educate the audience. Like yeah, we, we might all you know be some form of brown, but we're we're very different from each other. One of the great actors you get to work with on the show is Edward James Olmos, obviously. Iconic actor. What's it like working with him and what have you learned from him? Eddie is, uh, it's, it's a pure joy for me to work with Eddie. I've always, um, you know, to work with the greats, to learn from them, um, I've always felt like there's a sense of, the, of craft that's just lost. And um, I like being around those actors who really just embrace the craft. And he's gone through so much, uh, not just within acting, but like with, you know, in society and just like transcending. Um, so I really get to learn from him and listen to the great stories. He's got great stories. And he just, he's so, uh, like, he's very confident about what he's doing. And, and I like that. So I know Mayans and Sons have such a rabid fan base that are always looking for little tidbits. Can you give us anything about what's coming next on the show? Or are you sworn to secrecy? I'm not sworn to secrecy. I can tell you that you're going to love it. Okay. I can say that it's going to be exciting. Okay. And you should tune in. All right. Well, that's, that's good to know. That's good. That's a, that's a nice little tidbit. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, J.D. Thank you. Mayans airs Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on FX. Up next, more AMTDM. Welcome back. Yes. It's Friday. It's Friday. We it's did it. It's the end of it. it. Yes. Mm. Ooh, feeling I'm good. Feeling it. You guys are almost there too. You guys are almost there too. Oh, this is it for us, yeah, though. Yeah, it's it. All right, y'all. Well, we asked if you were tricked by one of those deceptive clickbait headlines, and Blaise and FMA said, 
I think it got. And then I turned around and told people that Beyonce was pregnant again and put the voting page link on it and it got traction. We're doing Lord's work, I say. <laughs> he hey, seems, he's kind of like, listen. That's what I'm saying. If it was Beyonce, listen. I would, not, I would be like, you know what? It's all good. It's all good, you know? Just, yeah. Yeah, but, like we are talking about earlier, obviously some people don't like being spoken down to, but at the same time, it is maybe for a good cause. Exactly. I'll say this. One of our fans actually trolled on the timeline, did what a thing. It was, it was like Saeed and Isaac are breaking up. They're no longer friends. And I was like, what? You're like, like no. Uh, You're like, tell me something I didn't know. And there were layers to it because it didn't go to a voter registration site. Where'd it go? It went to Kim Kardashian's makeup line. Oh, wow. I got like double oh, guy. you got double guy. All right, well, listen, during our sit down with Carlton himself, Cini Martinez tweeted, Mr. Ribeiro needs to judge a dance show at some point. Absolutely. Yeah, he, yeah. You, he was on Dancing with the Stars. You want to so, do, yeah. do the Carlton? Yeah, you know, we did that for y'all, y'all. <laughs> it just feels good. It does. I'm just gonna keep doing it. It's a swing in motion. Yeah, I'm gonna keep break. doing it. Thank you to our guests, Stephanie McNeil, JD Pardo, Alfonso Ribeiro, Kate Nassero, Jeanette Manfra, and Kevin Collier. Next week, we have Kiernan Shipka, Malcolm Jamal Warner, Charlie Cox, and Ricky Lake is gonna be here. Saeed is gonna be back on Monday. We will see you then. Until then, All right. let's Carlton out. Let's do it. I'm gonna Millie Rock out. Oh, <laughs> this is the only dance I know. You see, you're much better at this. Oh. <laughs>